Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7-Sports. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7-Sports. Welcome to the 24-7-Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And now as we count down the days to the SEC on CBS Game of the Week, a double header this week. We'll have South Carolina and Florida in the early slate. And then at 3.30, we'll be in Jordan-Hare Stadium, joining Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, and Allie LaForce uh, for the site that is a spot on the path to the college football playoff for the Georgia Bulldogs and in two weeks also for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Gary, the the thought going into the season when you were looking at Auburn, if this was going to be a team that was going to compete, you thought, well, maybe like 2013, they would be able to right. find some magic at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Trey Matthews saying today, we're in the perfect spot. We got number one and number two coming to our place with where Auburn has been, and it's been an up-and-down season. Where is your where is your confidence or your analysis of where this Auburn team is heading into uh, a stretch of games that will define how we look back at this 2017 campaign for Gus Malzahn? Sure. Well, <clears throat> if I was them, I would like it. I mean, you know, they fought through a a, a time this year where they were struggling with a few injuries. Uh, they they've got Slate and their receiver finally healthy. I know they don't have Petway, uh, but they've you know, mixed and matched in the offensive line. And I think they feel pretty confident about that right now. But most importantly, I think, is, you know, they knew they could count on their defense. They're pretty talented on defense, especially their front seven. They can rush the passer and they're very deep. So they can stay fresh for teams that want to go up tempo. And they've been successful uh, handling teams that like to pound uh, the rock uh, like Georgia will. The number one thing is, you know, they feel good about where they are at quarterback. Uh, you know, we just did last week's game. Uh, you know, LSU matched up Alabama everywhere on the field but one position. Mm-hmm. And that's been a storyline story for LSU for quite a while now. You know, uh, Mettenberger did a nice job for them for a while. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's been winning that quarterback position. And uh, when Gus Malzahn, you know, teed it up with, uh, you know, Cam or Nick Marshall. He could play with most everybody. It looked like Jarrett Stidham was going to have a problem this year. Maybe he couldn't handle the difference between, you know, the Big 12 and the SEC because of the defensive fronts and the pressure they get in the pocket, more like an NFL style. But he's been looking good lately. And their combination of being able to run Gus's offense and combine that with being able to go downfield with the passing game it's been a really good formula for them, except for the one game against LSU, where they just could not seem to connect on those downfield throws, and it really cost them a game. So, gosh, if I was them, the opportunity to play these two teams at home like this, the only thing I can – and I'm just doing this right off the top of my you know, head here because I haven't really thought about it the way you asked the question. Since I've been doing this, the only thing I can recall that's even close to this was back in 2007 
when uh, Kentucky faced Florida and LSU in back-to-back weeks with Andre Woodson as their quarterback. They had two really exciting games against the top of the league. And remember, that was a, uh, I think it was the season. If I remember correctly, they beat Florida and then ended up losing in overtime. Or they, no, they lost to Florida and then ended up uh, winning in overtime against LSU. I think that's how that played out. So those were two exciting games. And I can't imagine Auburn could have anything anything better than the opportunity to have possibly. Obviously, if they beat Georgia, they're going to end up playing Alabama, who's going to be number one when they come in next. What an opportunity to do that. I mean, they control their own playoff destiny, really, right? Don't they? I, mean, I think they do. I think they do. We're going to come out with uh, – we've waited until this week, and I, and I think it's pretty – pretty simple you know for them to run the table they're going to have to beat uh georgia twice and alabama in between and i think that'd be good enough to get them in the i only have six teams that control their own destiny as auburn being one of them i think georgia alabama and auburn obviously all control their own destiny should they win out i believe miami controls their own destiny if they win out i really believe that clemson does uh especially uh, they they would love to have Miami beat Notre Dame, but I still think if Clemson wins out being the defending champ, they'd be in. And I know it's going to be controversial, but I think Wisconsin controls their own destiny. If they went out, sure. Big Ten champion, undefeated, I, I, I can't believe this uh, committee would look past a Big Ten champion undefeated. So I so, only have six six teams. I do not have Notre Dame, and I do yeah. not have Oklahoma controlling their own destiny. That's interesting. I, th- I think uh, it seems like most people have Notre Dame control. What, what's what's your hang up with Notre Dame? I think Notre Dame will get into a a uh, you know a beauty contest at the end with Oklahoma, um, and and they might win it. But I think they're at the committee roulette at the end of it. I mean, they would love for Georgia to be the team that wins out, okay? Mm-hmm. But but they they could be in a problem if Georgia loses to Alabama in a tight game. I don't see how they're going to pass Georgia. So they could come back at the end with Alabama being in, Miami being in, Wisconsin being in. And at the end, are they really going to pass Georgia for that spot since Georgia beat them? Or in that case, would the committee eliminate both Georgia and Notre Dame and vault like an Oklahoma into that fourth spot? So I don't believe they control their own destiny. They would have to fall on the graces of the committee and, who knows what mood they might be in that last week? Well, speaking Drives me crazy, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of those Georgia Bulldogs, as you start to look at uh, the different ways that they that defense will be tested, uh, certainly yes. rock solid up front on the back end. This could be a challenge, particularly Ryan Davis had a productive game last week. You right. mentioned Slayton back in that. How do you see uh, the the attack of Jarrett Stidham coming off a very efficient performance going against Georgia's pass defense? The biggest question I had about uh, Auburn coming into this season was, and, I, and, and we dealt with it in one of our early podcasts, would the Auburn running game work without a running quarterback? Well, it has worked good enough, but the combination has been that they've been ha- able to throw the ball, especially the deep ball, has really kept the defenses honest so they can't gang up in the box to stop the running game. I give most of that credit to Darius Slayton. You know, even last week, I think he had two catches, one for a touchdown and one to the five or three-yard line against Texas A&M. 
two of them for almost 100 yards. Ryan Davis is the other go-to receiver. He had five, six, or seven catches. I just got done watching the tape and, you know, a, a touchdown as well. But then the wild card is Will Hastings, who gives them that slot receiver, really good route runner, first down catcher. Those three guys have kept the defenses honest enough with a veteran offensive line that features four seniors up front and, of course, carry on Johnson carrying the ball. The biggest worry I think they have going into this game, it's going to be a physical football game, obviously, with Georgia. And Georgia's always going to have a fresh back in the game. You know, if Cameron Petway was healthy, um, I would I would say, boy, that this is going to be a really great matchup. That is my one worry for Auburn's offense in this game. You know, the way Carrion Johnson had to, to finish that game a week ago against Texas A&M where he was running on fumes at the end of that game, um, I, I believe this Georgia defense obviously is more physical than Texas A&M. Um, do they have enough? In modern football, you know, look, Alabama runs three of them. Georgia runs three of them. Auburn's going to have to one one and a half with Cam uh, Martin coming as the number two guy. So it's a little different for Auburn in modern football having only one running back. What about on the other side with Georgia? I think, you know, we've talked about it before with you to where you thought at some point, you know, Georgia was going to have to win a game where Jake Fromm is, right. is sort of takes the lead and, and, and wins it for him, or at least it carries a load. Um, you know, South Carolina forced him to throw more than 12 times. Right. I think he tapped 20 or hit 20 at least. Um, where are we? Do you, do, have we learned more about Jake Fromm? Do you think, because Auburn certainly has a defensive front seven to put some di- new kind of pressure on the quarterback. How do you feel about Jake Fromm and his development coming into this game, which is, is you know, really maybe yeah. his biggest matchup all year? Yeah. Uh, well, it, you know, he's got a, a legitimate veteran, highly sophisticated defense with veterans in the secondary. Kevin Steele has coached against a lot of different quarterbacks and styles. Um, He can depend on that front seven to control the running game, in his mind at least, and he should be able to mix up coverages. Uh, I thought South Carolina, and I'm not taking anything away from Jake Fromm. He, you know, He's been maybe the story of the conference this year, uh, being him stepping into that quarterback position and having his team number one ever since that Notre Dame game. He's continued to inch his way forward. But even against South Carolina, there were just so many gimmies in the tape where South Carolina was loading the box. They were standing off on the outside eight to ten yards and just letting him have no-brainer throws, you know, where he could tell before the snap who to throw the ball to. The challenge for Auburn is going to be they have to take Jake and not allow him, from the Auburn point of view, to be able to know where he's going with the ball before the snap. They have to put some indecision in there. Uh, This defense, you know, ran Kelly Mond off the field. Yeah. I mean, they, they had to take him off the field. He he just was totally discombobulated on what he was looking at. I think he was 5 for 10 or something like that. And he had to get out of the game. They could not get the ball to Christian Kirk. I'm not expecting that from Jake Fromm. I, I, I think he's at a very high level. He's coached very well. and uh, But his game continues to inch forward, but the competition is always inching forward as well. You know, you know the story of this game. Uh, the story of this game is if 
this Auburn defense can force, you know, uh, this team is at roughly 50% on third down. And the reason they're roughly 50% on third down is because they've got a really good running attack. They don't have a lot of those third and nines or tens. They have makeable third downs. This Auburn defense has to put the Georgia quarterback on the spot. And then we talk next week. Uh, I hope to say for Georgia fans and for Jake Fromm, who's an, you know, an outstanding competitor that he answered the bell. Sure. But there is no other path. There is no other path for Auburn. They have to slow the running game down and put it into the true freshman's hands on the road playing at Auburn. If he does it, you tip your hat and you move on to the next game. Gary, but moving on to, to the other big game in the SEC, Alabama-Mississippi State. You know, I, I kind of right. circled this game back in the spring and summer, saying this is an area, sort of a spot with a home game, probably at night, where where Alabama could could be facing a tough tough battle, with particularly Nick Fitzgerald. I'm curious, you know, Alabama has got had two more starters injured this past week. You know, right. the, the two starters they had in the opening week against Florida State. I mean, this is, seems like a little bit of uncharted territory for Alabama. I mean, they always seem to be so healthy. They avoid injuries. Do you feel like there's some vulnerabilities in this spot here with Alabama, given just all those circumstances combined? I do, but, you know, I'm always wrong when I think about <laughs> it, you know. When I, when I talk about vulnerabilities for, for Alabama. Sure. I, um, um, listen, the injury to Minka Fitzpatrick and Sean Deion Hamilton uh, are their two quarterbacks on defense. There's the guys that uh, in Nick's and uh, Jeremy Pruitt's sophisticated attack is moving all the other great athletes around into the great spots to make the plays. Everybody else on that defense, the nine other guys, relax mentally because uh, Minka and Sean do such a tremendous job of anticipating the plays, remembering the game plan, understanding the shifts and the motions and the adjustments that have to be made. And that's why Minka had to go back in that football game. You know, they only used him in dime situations. And what he actually did is Minka came in and played outside linebacker. So he didn't have to really run a lot, but he was still quarterbacking the defense. He was just backing up into soft zones at that point. Uh, and, but he still allowed them to make the proper adjustments on third down when they lost Sean. Uh, you know, that's why that Wildcat went out the back end on them. They were misaligned. They were covering the wrong gaps and one opened up. Not that it wasn't well blocked, but, you know, that's unusual for Alabama to give a gap, that type of a gap when, you know, the running, there is no passing threat on that situation. It was a, a run all the way. So, oh, yes, you know, I mean, anything could happen. Here's what Alabama has going for them. They, they just did not play well on the offensive line last week. They could not run the ball, and they're going to be hungry to run the ball. You know, uh, they will challenge uh, Mississippi State physically, and the last team that re really could do it physically to them was Georgia. Mm. And um, I, I, I would think, and, and listen, um, I, I understand that uh, it's Baker Mayfield's Heisman right now, but if he stumbles badly, I think Jalen Hurts is in position with his marquee gaze coming up. And, you know, they have been hiding him a little bit as a runner because they wanted him to grow as a passer. But you could see in that game, LSU matched that offensive line or might have even won that battle of defensive line versus offensive line in the pits. 
And without Jalen Hurts' special plays with his legs, they don't win that football game. So I think Jalen will continue to make more and more big plays, and they're going to open up the spots. Um, So um, it'd be foolish to say you don't like Alabama, and I do understand that they're vulnerable a bit. Um, I, I just think, you know, one of the comforts of Alabama is the spread teams just don't bother them anymore. They, you know, they did four or five years ago. If you're a spread team, you better have a spread quarterback who can throw. Yeah. Um, well, Nick Fitzgerald against Georgia was just not a good thrower. If he comes out hot and throws well, could be a football game. But it's up to Fitzgerald to get to that next level of throwing the ball. Well, uh, that, that takes us a little bit into my next question, which is sort of what, what, what you make of Mississippi State. I mean, this season, they haven't had, until this past week against UMass, they haven't had a game within, what, 21 points all year. Uh, they're either getting blown out or they're blowing either somebody way. out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it, there's just such a spectrum here with this team. I, I'm curious sort of where you think they stand. What's your general feeling on, on either how good this defense is or, or what this offense brings to the table against a really good Alabama team? Um, here, the, the very curious thing about the um, college football this year is <laughs> just because of the way it unfolds, and, and I'm going to round about this into this answer, um, you know, just two weeks ago, everybody was conceding that the Big Ten had the best conference. Sure. And the, and the SEC was down this year with maybe um, two elite teams – uh, one team that could be at the next level, perhaps, and Auburn, and then two teams with a bit of an asterisk with them: Mississippi State and LSU. Um, you know, LSU has a, you know, a, and, and I don't mean this in any way negatively because I, I like him and he's a great kid. But you know, Alabama, excuse me, LSU is, you know, 21 players. Their their 22nd player at quarterback is just okay. Uh, and and to beat Alabama, you got to be more than okay at that position. So I think they got an asterisk. So you were at a conference here with two, you know, two and three quarters with Auburn, and then two asterisk teams, and the other one is at Mississippi State. Um, every time you start to believe in them, and you say, "Well, well they they could be special," then they they turn up and go, well, "What was that?" You know, I mean, uh, is is Dan Mullen that good of a coach? Because it seems like he has to do everything to get his team in a position to win. And last week, against inferior talent, it almost wasn't enough. So um, I I give all the credit to Dan. I I think they're an okay team. I think they've overachieved a little bit. And um, they play hard. But I I don't believe they have the type of talent to play with the two top echelon teams. And the irony of irony is now because of the Big Ten being good, you know, down maybe to six or seven teams that are really, you know, I don't say elite, but really good competitive teams. They might beat each other up and not have a team in the playoffs. And because the SEC is being dominated by two teams, there's a lot of people thinking they're going to get two. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's the way it is. It does it not make sense to you because of action elsewhere in terms of the SEC getting two playoff teams in? Well, I, I, I've talked to a, a, a well-known commissioner of one of the conferences, and he says only two things keep him up at night. One is infractions in recruiting, cheating. 
okay, uh, obviously that that you know that's a black eye for any conference. And the other, he said, he says, what well, other thing that keeps me up at night is we beat each other up and don't get a team in the final four. He's that's he. What's so different now uh, that's been as opposed to having just two teams picked. When two teams were picked, individual teams felt overlooked or insulted that they didn't make it there. Remember when mm. Oklahoma State or Baylor didn't get there and they, they were all mad? When you take four teams, it's conferences that feel insulted by not getting there. And I still think when that committee gets in there, they may look at this and go, yeah, you know, we really think that Alabama and Georgia are two of the top four teams. But if we put Notre Dame in there, are we really going to go with just one other conference being involved and not having three other conferences in the playoffs? And that's what I think where they may get gun shy and it may get to be that even if Alabama and Georgia are undefeated, um, they get into that last game and they play each other. One of them loses and they go, we just don't have enough guts to put the second team in there. They might. They might look at it and say, yeah, I still think they're one of the four best. But if they do that and they have Notre Dame as their best one-loss team and they win out, now you're going to have just two conferences. And, boy, that's, that's a big check mark against you know, a lot of people that have a lot of money involved in these conferences being left out of the playoff. Yeah, that's about- why I said I'm not, I'm not sure and why I call it committee roulette at the end because – who knows what they're going to be thinking? I mean, who knows what they did last year? And could they really do that again? Eliminate three conference champions? You're really not going to put in Oklahoma? Are you really not going to put in a Big Ten team? Because someone's going to get slighted, and they're going to be upset. Yeah, I was about to say, there is an eight-figure check awarded to uh, yep. conferences that make the college football playoffs, certainly with some uh, something on the line there. Uh, as we think about our earlier game, the noon game between South Carolina and Florida, these are two teams that are probably feeling uh, two very different ways about themselves right now. South Carolina, yeah. uh, I think, came out of that Georgia game. No one likes to talk about moral victories, but I think that uh, they they showed up defensively, and with Jake Bentley, they have one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. Florida, on the other hand, sticking with Malik Zaire. Um, do you where do you see the Randy Shannon led Gators in terms of playing on the field? They still have this game. They still have the Florida State game. So while uh, you know, big picture, I'm sure that a lot of Gators fans have their eyes on the future. Uh, there's still a lot to play for here. So what do you expect to see from the Gators? Well, I just think it's been a moral victory for South Carolina season this year. You know, I mean, it, I mean, they started off, you know, I, I, I wondered at the beginning of the year, and when I looked at their schedule, I, I really thought, could they win four games? Mm. You know, they got that early upset, you know, uh, against NC State. And I, and I call it an upset, but, you know, I, I, I thought, but I thought it was vulnerable for them going to, to play Missouri and, and they got that win, you know? So I thought, you know, you know, that, that there was a lot of games on that schedule that looked like, can they possibly beat Tennessee, Arkansas? You know, I just look at it and just wondered. So it's been a moral uplifting, great job by Will Muschamp. And yeah, going in, these two teams are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, you know, even Florida fans don't get mad at me anymore when I say <laughs> stuff about them. It's, 
That's how bad a season <laughs> has been for Florida. So you can say anything you want about them right now. They're going to agree with you. It, it's been a disaster season for Florida. And, uh, you know, I, I, I suspect that South Carolina, you know, they, this is one that they can win. I, I, I really do. Bentley was early in the year there. Somebody asked me to rake the quarterbacks. And I said, you know, I'd take Bentley. I, I don't know. I, I just I love the way he plays. He's competitive. He's smart. Uh, you know, he's had a couple picks against Georgia in the game, but you know, he he has to almost do everything with that right. football team. Um, and uh, we will see. I mean, uh, you know, maybe Georgia's defense shows up this week, but uh, I, I got to believe that South Carolina is sitting pretty nice, and and especially the way they feel about themselves. Gary, we are about two plays away from Arkansas being on a five-game losing streak. And, right. And, you know, and they've got, you know, two games, three games left, two of which don't look very winnable. Um, who knows? Yep. But, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is, is where do we, how do we get to this point in Arkansas? It seems like a, a, we've slowly sort of, uh, you know, degraded into this sort of chipped away, and, and all of a sudden here we are, and, and Arkansas just doesn't seem like a very good team anymore. Um did you see this coming, and, and can, you, can you explain how we got here? I really didn't see it coming prior to the year because, you know, I thought, you know, with you know, being able to have a veteran quarterback returning and, you know, I, I have a tremendous respect for Danny, you know, as their offensive coordinator, um, but who, by the way, was uh, blocked contractually from going to uh, Alabama to be their offensive coordinator, if I remember. No, no, it was Georgia. Uh, you know, to be their coordinator, I think, or it might have been Alabama. One of those two. I heard the stories that they was sought after, and 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 Dan is a really good young coach. So um, I'm a little surprised until I saw them play. I saw them against TCU. Um, their receivers are, are are not up to SEC standards. You know, they they lost a lot. Um, their running game. Uh, with RW3 leaving uh, was weaker than I ever remember any team that Brett Bielma has coached. They didn't have the power on the offensive line. Tight end, back-to-back uh, -back years, they had tight ends that have been drafted in the NFL, and they were just okay there. And then on defense, um, they were making the switch to the 3-4. Um, they, were, they were pretty average at linebacker, which surprised me because – Brett has made a career out of finding guys to play linebacker and, and maybe were half overlooked by everybody else. Now, they played okay against TCU. They could have been in that game, missed two chip shot field goals, had a tight end run out of the end zone when he was basically wide open for a touchdown and stepped out, not because of the defense, but because of himself. But um, and, and then they found a way to, to lose games again that they could have won. But um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, you know where they're headed or what's going to happen. As obviously, once they had the the injury at quarterback, the, even though uh, it it might be a bright future, it doesn't look like it's going to uh, come through this year. So, um, I don't know what to say. I don't like predicting on jobs like that, but you, we all know this league. Yeah. You know, th this league is different for in a number of ways, but in two important ways are, are this. The fans in this league care about their college football. They show up and watch. They talk about it all week. They call the radio talk shows. They read all the blogs. 
but the main difference is most conferences have three and a half teams that measure their success about being able to com- contend for a national championship. This league has seven. And when you have seven different franchises that measure success by competing for national championships, and the worst of all things for all of these other teams other than Alabama is watching Georgia do it with Kirby Smart in their second year, it causes a lot of ripples and ramifications around the league. Because the other five teams who are chasing Alabama and now Georgia are going, why can't we do this? I mean, you know, if we could find the right guy like Georgia found in Kirby Smart, we're a sleeping giant at Texas A&M. We're a sleeping giant at Arkansas. We're a sleeping giant at LSU. We're a sleeping giant this year at Florida. We're a sleeping giant at Tennessee. And that's the, uh, the ripples of this conference that makes it different than any other conference. So I think that brings up a good point. And what should Mississippi State expectations be? I mean, they're kind of like, sh- like Purdue. You know, I mean, let's play good football. Let's right. be proud of the way we compete. And let's, you know, magically we'll get one of those players like a Dak Prescott every once in a while, whereas Purdue got a Drew Brees, and we'll ride that guy. But we're not going to be able to compete every year with these other players. We, they, you know, those seven teams take, um, say, 20 players. They take 120, 40 players off the board that Mississippi State would love to have. So now, you know, Mississippi State starts fighting with everybody else at player number 121. Once in a while, they've got a connection, you know, to one of those top 100 players. But usually it's taken a player like Nick Fitzgerald or Dak Prescott that other teams passed over first and making them into a good football player. Arkansas is playing LSU this weekend. You touched on LSU a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts a little more on LSU. You know, I, I thought it was interesting late in the game when there was still some game left. I was uh, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I think you know where I'm going, that Miles um, Brennan went in there at quarterback. Um, and I, I'm curious whether it was from talking to Coach O during, you know, during the prep or, or sort of what you've gathered in, as far as the future at the quarterback position there. Uh, do you think that's, that Miles is the guy? And was that a, you know, was that a move that, I guess you said it surprised you, but what was your take on that? I think Miles has a bright future, but he's, I don't believe in Ed Ogeron's mind, he's exactly what he wants. Yeah. He, he raves about him. He believes he has an elite arm and um, that he can be a, uh, an elite passer. But I think uh, Coach O realizes in modern college football, if you don't completely sell out to the passing game, um, you need your quarterback to help you a little bit in the run game. You know, unless you're going to be Washington State, you know, or, uh, you know, Texas Tech or, you know, Oklahoma, where you put your a whole offense into your quarterback. And I don't see that happening at LSU ever. They want to run the ball and play action pass it. I think, you know, in Coach Ogeron's recruiting eye, you know, as he told us prior to the uh, Alabama game, that 
Alabama is the best running offense he's ever faced. He said the only one that he came close to in his mind defending was Oregon. Wow. And he says, and, and for two reasons, a little different than Oregon. One is they're so physical, Alabama is. They're so deep at running back. But the wild card is Jalen Hurts because you cannot sell out to stopping just their tailback because that other special athlete will come out the outside while you're chasing the tailback and burn you. And that was the difference in the game. So, yes, Miles Brennan is a very gifted thrower, um, you know, more, more like maybe a Zach Mettenberger, uh, how he's going to play that position. But I think um, in the recruiting mind's eye of Ed, as he, you know, builds this team, he's going to look for something maybe just a little different. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. You know, maybe, you know, I didn't know if Jared Stidham would fit into Gus's mind's eye of how he'd like his quarterback, but obviously he has. I'm just saying that when you are that way, you have to be a really good passer to cover up a guy who doesn't run. Well, you know what's interesting is, is I don't know if you've noticed this or, or even knew this, but when, when Coach O got the job initially, he actually said publicly they were looking for a, a guy that could run the football at quarterback, and Miles Brennan decommitted after he said yes, that. And, exactly. and they had to sort of get him back in the fold. So it, it's, it's, that, that's interesting that he still sort of has that inclination, and, and that's maybe a direction but they're still going to go. The, the other interesting part of it is, though, it was that same, you know, chasing that holy grail of a perfect quarterback. Right. That was really the downfall of Les Miles. Yeah. Um, he was never happy with uh, the the Matt Flynn's of the world, you know, that 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 he was successful with. Uh, he was always chasing um, Ryan Parallel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and and. Uh, Russell Shepard. And it never, and, uh, Russell Shepard. Yes, exactly. You just keep going one right after another, Brandon Harris. And they all let him down. They were nice runners. They were all good on taking the broken play and making it successful. They weren't very good at making the main play and making it successful. And that's why Jalen Hurts is so special at Alabama. Not only does he give you the broken play, but he's pretty, he doesn't turn the ball over. And he's coached so well and he's so strong mentally that he's giving you the first part of the play, you know. And, and that's, that's the difference of a Marcus Mariota or Deshaun Watson uh, or Jalen Hurts. When they can give you the extra dimension, that's great. But you got to bring the first dimension because you got too many good football players on the field. And that's what really has gotten LSU chasing their tail. They no longer complete the easy passes. Um, and now they start looking, uh, as Les Miles tried to do, get the next phase of the offense, and he forgot about the first phase of the offense. LSU hosting Arkansas. It is uh, part of a part of just a huge weekend in the SEC. We talked about Alabama, Mississippi State, and it's going to be a doubleheader for the SEC on CBS. Florida at South Carolina at noon Eastern time, and then at three thirty, it we will descend on Jordan Hare. The bird will be flying. Gary Danielson will be in the booth with Brad Nessler, Ali LaForce on the field. Uh, thanks, thank you so much, Gary. We are fired up. This is this is a big weekend, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to hearing the call. 
Well, you know, the rest of the way here, I mean, we're either going to have Georgia or Alabama in every game that we do uh, in, in these football games. So it's going to be a great finish for the SEC. You should finally get some uh, some some consistency in the competitive football <laughs> games on this, the rest of the way out. So we're ready for it, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gary. All right. We're getting into specifics. Game breakdown. Specifics. Game breakdown. If they played on a neutral field, you would take them. Breaking down the game. Game breakdowns take time. And if you are in need of great talent for your business, but, you know, like us, you're short on time and you don't have time to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find the perfect hire, you don't just need the right tools for making a hire. You need smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click, so you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. It's no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. It's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and all industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7 sports. Because what can you do there? You can post jobs for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7-sports. One more time, try it for free today, ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7-sports. The new college football playoff rankings have been released. They were released on Tuesday night. They are as such, Georgia maintaining its spot at number one, Alabama at two, Notre Dame at three, Clemson at four, Oklahoma at five, TCU six, Miami seven, Wisconsin eight, Washington nine, Auburn ten, Barton we had, I guess you and I said either Wisconsin or Miami for number six when we were sort of laying out how we imagined it might look or even our top six on Saturday after uh, most of the action. Any any big surprise that TCU is getting a little bit of yeah, an edge here? No, I mean, I don't know. I think it's all sort of splitting hairs with that group. I guess they like TCU's resume. They like that they have a win against Oklahoma State on the roads. Um, you know, they've looked, they've looked very good and, and Iowa state has proven to be a, not a terrible loss. Uh, to me, like everyone's talking about the top five or, um, you know, where did Miami jump to me, the, one of the bigger developments or, or key points is when you look in the top, you know, 25 to 20 range, you see that. Northwestern is sitting at 25. Iowa is now sitting at 20. Mm. And what that tells me is that the committee values Northwestern as a team, values Iowa as a team, as they should. I think both are good teams. And a win over those two teams counts for something. Which means... Which means which means Wisconsin, right? Right. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Absolutely. But wait, Barton, your hundred percent made me think about something, Barton. Like the hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. If Wisconsin wants to get a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee from the college football playoff, you might not find it because 
There's no 100% satisfaction guarantee. There is a 100% satisfaction guarantee with me undies. So if you want to get the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own, check it out for yourself. Go to MeUndies.com slash CFB. We've told you about MeUndies all week, all month, all season. They got tons of styles and patterns to choose from for both men and ladies. And MeUndies has the perfect fit for any any personality. The MeUndies feeling is unmatched because they use a naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton. And if you go right now, you can check out the limited edition glow-in-the-dark print lights out. So why not update your underwear drawer and glow at the same time? Everybody get your glow on. And if underwear isn't your thing, MeUndies also makes the softest socks in the world. So to get 20% off off the best, softest underwear, and socks that you will ever own. Free shipping and that 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash CFB. That's MeUndies.com slash CFB. Okay, let's dig back in. Um, I the, the web that these weave right now as we see more Big Ten teams coming up, like remember when Minnesota was hanging around in 2014? In the uh, in the college football playoff rankings near the end, and it was like that extra little bit for TCU because TCU like Minnesota was twenty five in the final rankings. Uh, they were twenty five on November eighteenth in two thousand fourteen. Like the where Northwestern and Iowa are dramatically change the the strength of schedule picture for Wisconsin, a, a Wisconsin team that you know I think that. People were looking at them, almost factoring them in like a Washington. Washington, one spot behind them right now at number nine. But the truth is, as as the season plays out, as Iowa beats uh, Ohio State and as Iowa's Iowa State wins continues to look better, like those that Iowa resume, like we talked about on Monday, looks a lot better. And the Northwestern, you know, Northwestern's got to win against Michigan State. And if you're going to have Michigan State up at number twelve, then Northwestern's going to get pulled up, and suddenly. This Wisconsin strength of schedule is not going to be as much of a, a hurdle as as many people thought. Yeah, so yeah, I think so many people look at Wisconsin now and they say, "Oh, they've not, like they're not that impressive right now, and they've not beaten anybody right now." And and but they forget like what we're going to think about Wisconsin after they have beaten Iowa and after they have beaten Michigan. Given I know it's a, not a great Michigan team. But it's a good Michigan team. And after they have beaten Ohio State or Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, and then all of a sudden, like, we're not going to be sitting here trying to come up with excuses why they're not good enough. We're going to think, you know what, maybe they are. They probably are good enough. And and we're going to be trying to trying to contort their resume to support that, I, I think. And so that, that's, that was my big takeaways as I look at this. I really think, and 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 my other big takeaway too, after watching what Alabama and, and Georgia did over the weekend in a bad SEC with Alabama defensive injuries mountain, I really truly believe that there's just there's no there's no Goliath in this in this in this cycle. There's no one or two teams that are oh, be- better than everybody else nationally like when you do look at the top four or five like the distance between georgia and alabama from notre dame and clemson or oklahoma like it it is much less than you initially thought 
if at all. Like, I mean, I think Alabama's the best team. I think Georgia's the second best team. But what do we really know? Like, what do we like? The SEC's bad, and and we saw what like Ohio State just crushed some bad Big Ten teams. We started thinking, man, this is a new Ohio State team that they're they're the real deal, and then they go and get blown out by Iowa. So. To me, that translates to Alabama. Like, yes, Alabama blew out bad SEC teams. But what does that mean when they face – I mean, we saw what they did against LSU. It, wasn't, it was not overly impressive. We all suspect that Bama can turn, the, turn it on and push the button and, 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 kill, and beat anybody. But we don't know. And, and the eye test is so – so I, I think this, that's a roundabout way of saying – why do we assume Wisconsin can't hang with, with, with this Alabama team or this Georgia team? I think in the past, we've, we've like with Iowa in, in 2015, you know, I think we've kind of could feel pretty good saying, you know what, they, they got an undefeated record, but man, I don't know. They're not, they're not going to hang with Ohio State or, or, or Clemson. Oh, yeah. Iowa uh, was, uh, was 9 and 0. Uh, ten and zero. Iowa was eleven and zero in week twelve. I totally yeah. forgot that. Yeah, and and maybe this is maybe Wisconsin is Iowa, maybe, but I don't think that they are. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we're not given. It's not fair to them to say that we just like our eyes are 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 better are, are smart enough to know that they this isn't a good enough team. Like their defense is is legit. They've They've got a really good run game. They've got a couple playmakers in the past game. Alex Hornibrook has been efficient all year. So I, I just think Wisconsin, to me, is the team that I'm looking at and saying, all right, if they take care of business, they better get in. They deserve to get in. This this is not a landscape to where there's a clear drop-off from one and two to everyone else. The fact that Iowa and Northwestern have shown up has me believing that the selection committee believes in the Big Ten. Like, you come out of Ohio State and Penn State losing, and then there's the narrative of this was a bad, awful day for the Big Ten. And it was in that, you know, those huge brand name superstar Ohio State, Penn State rosters and teams and head coaches that, you know, draw a bajillion eyeballs and everyone knows every player on the roster. Uh, yeah, like not having them in the college football playoff, like, could, is a little bit of a bummer, but. Wisconsin, by seeing the way that they've reacted, they they are starting to believe in the Badgers as a team that could be able to climb its way up. But I, I, I think that you've still got a little bit of distance, like the fact that they are behind Miami. So Miami's best win is Virginia Tech, right? Right. So what is Wisconsin's best win to this point? Well, it'll be. I mean, right now to this point, it's Northwestern. And this week, I mean, if we're just going to talk under the assumption that they went out and this week, it'll be they'll, they'll add Iowa to the resume. Are we doing win out, win out, like including the Big Ten championship? Th- yeah, because if they don't win out, then I think obviously the, the conversation is moot. Like we then they're not they're not a, a one loss Wisconsin team. I don't I'm not going to make an argument. They deserve to get in. OK, but an undefeated Wisconsin team like and people are acting like and even Kurt Herbstreit. Has, has sort of implied that they've yet to prove that they deserve to be in and that they you know that a, a one loss Clemson team for instance should be in over them I don't I don't agree with that um, 
and so I, I think, yeah, like they'll have enough, and I think they'll look different. Because my bigger question is, what has, what would Nebraska be? What would their record be right now? They're four. They're five and five, four and five. What would their record be if they played in the SEC East? Nebraska. I don't know, man. You might have chosen a bad, bad example team here. Nebraska. That's a that's a very strange, strange object out in the college football <laughs> universe right now. Like, I know, let's, but let's go with let's go with Iowa. By, they, they got killed by Wisconsin. They got killed by Ohio State. They beat Rutgers in Illinois. They beat P- Purdue, and they lost in overtime to Northwestern. If they're in the SEC East, they get killed by Georgia, and they like. It's a toss-up for all the other teams. Nah. The East is terrible. Nah, listen. Uh, Georgia wins. Missouri might win. And uh, Tennessee wins. <laughs> I mean, Dude, you're saying ten- that, they, that no, they would lose to Tennessee and Missouri? I'm saying that Tennessee, Nebraska, and Kentucky, Nebraska sound like the saddest football games that I can think of in the 2017 yes, season. Yes, just like every SEC East game that doesn't involve Georgia. They're all pitiful. Yeah. <laughs> like, like throw throw Tennessee in in the Big Ten West and tell me what their record is. Yeah, I you know? got you. Like it's not any better. Yeah. It's so I just think we we are so blinded by the the history of the SEC that we just have to come to terms with the fact that the SEC is terrible this year. Terrible. And Alabama may very well be the number one team in college football. And they probably are, and I and I suspect that they are, but they haven't played anybody. Their best game is against an LSU team that lost to Troy this year. I know that LSU is a little different than that Troy that than that Troy game at this point, but that wasn't an overwhelming experience at home against LSU, and they've not played anybody else. Florida State is probably the best other game you can give them because you could call Florida State a different team than they are now when Alabama played them, but it's still not an impressive win. I, I, I just think, like, to, to act like Georgia and Alabama now are, are – I mean, they're doing what Ohio State is doing to the, that level of competition. Ooh. I like that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Ohio yeah, yeah, State yeah. is blowing out bad Big Ten teams, and then they, they, you know, then they lose to Iowa. So, I, I I just I don't know. Like I and that's another roundabout way of saying. I guess I think that there's there's so much there's there's a lot of losses left right. in, this, in this thing. Right, and I I'm I'm losing confidence. You know, we we like to play the exercise of like, okay, so you know these got these teams are locked in. What's it going to take for Miami or Wisconsin to jump up? What's it going to take for Oklahoma or TCU to jump up? Like, I mean, we're as guilty of it as anyone else. Where yeah. the the push alert that comes out when the new rankings are released are like uh, Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson in Oklahoma, TCU on the outside looking in. And it's like, well, no, because right. we haven't drawn the line yet. Um, I mean. Just think back to, you know, last year when you had Michigan, number three, one loss team in week 12. That was, uh, that was one of the last. You had Michigan, number three, for basically the whole back half of the season. I'll tell you what, man. 
I am not convinced right now, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I don't think the SEC is going to get two teams in. And you know, Gary talked about it earlier. You know, like I, I'm not jumping all the way on Gary's like uh, sort of hunch. I think mine is more that there's 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 just going to be a loss. Like I, I think that Georgia absolutely could lose at Auburn. I I think that. Um, if Georgia loses at Auburn and then loses in the SEC championship game, like, I'm sorry, that's a, that is a two loss team. That's going to go play in the orange bowl, you know? And that's, that's awesome. You get in the new year six. That's a great season for Kirby smart, but, um, that how about this too, chip, everything that happens to Georgia has a direct impact on Notre Dame. Yeah. Right. So let's say Georgia loses to Auburn and then loses to Alabama and then they're a two loss you know, SEC East champion, I think suddenly out, that, that puts Notre Dame in peril because then then you can you can say, hey, you know, Oklahoma, who's, whose only loss is to Iowa State and, and who wins the Big 12 with one loss, suddenly they, you know, they're, could potentially jump Notre Dame. You know, suddenly Wisconsin has more of an end. Suddenly Clemson, Clemson feels better, you know, with them being a, uh, you know, one loss team that wins their conference. I, I just think Notre Dame is is sitting there at three, based on the strength of that Georgia win. Mm. It, they, you know, they 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 lost by one point to the number one team in the country. Well, what happens when that loss by one point is to the number nine team in the country? Do you like the way? I mean, it makes I it makes it easier for us to read into the committee, but it it is funny how the committee definitely does hang and that's, you know, it's one of their tenants head to head results. is like a big part of it, but the, a team's college football playoff future is absolutely almost like, like it is 25% in your hands, but it, it feels like it's also 75% based on like the changes to the algorithm elsewhere on the spreadsheet. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there, there's a lot of uh, butterfly effects in this thing, um, and I was thinking, I, I, you know, I was thinking this morning, like if if someone handed me a million dollars, right, and said, "You've got to take this million dollars and bet on the f- the college football playoff four, and there's no, it's either all or nothing. You either get it exactly right and you get the million dollars, or you get it wrong and you get none of it." I would. St- to your point on the SEC, I would – I don't – like, I think this, the, the most likely scenario is if, – if, of any one scenario right now is that the SEC gets two in uh, and, you know, maybe Notre Dame wins out and, and we'll say Clemson. You know, hey, like, I guess if you're going to pick one scenario out of, the, out of everything, you know, maybe you just stick with the current four. But I think – like, I would take the field, and I would take if I if I have to get it right. Like, it, I think my my suspicion is that one of those, either Georgia's going to lose to Auburn and or Alabama in the SEC championship game, like you said, or Georgia or Alabama's going to, or Alabama's going to lose. What I was going to say yeah. to Auburn or and or Mississippi State, and and that creates again, like where does that. Where does that slot them, and how does that affect everything else? You know, like, I, and 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 does then Wisconsin get in? Does does Auburn win out, 
and get in. Because Auburn absolutely controls his own destiny. The the 2015 college football playoffs at this week, um, the number 12 and 13 teams were Oklahoma and Michigan State. Both of them ended up in the college football playoffs. Yep. Great you know? call. Great call. And right now the 10 and 11 teams are Auburn and USC. There's Both of those teams could make it to the college football playoffs this year. Honestly. Yeah. Could Michigan State? Would you would you take it one step further? Michigan State has the is the only team in the Big Ten East that has a shot because it, it looks unlikely that Penn State's going to win the East. So you can't let you can't let a two loss team in that didn't win their division um, this year. Ohio State is to me Ohio State's out. They're just out. Because you you cannot have a what is it twenty what what they lose to Oklahoma by fifteen points fifteen point loss to Oklahoma at home and a twenty one point loss at Iowa on the same schedule and and be one of the best four teams in college football yeah you can lose twice and be one of the best four teams in college football you can't lose twice by more than two scores like that's and the. Both those teams, like, the score is indicative of how dominant those games were. Like it's not like it was it was a backdoor you know score late in the game or pick six when they were driving in a two minute drill. Like those were those were bad losses. And I don't think Ohio State has any leg to stand on to say we're even if they went out and looked impressive doing it, they've got those those stains on their on their record. Do you think? All right, so we we've talked about uh, Wisconsin. What about Washington? Where is – because I think if Washington, you know, takes it all the way, their schedule is horrendous. They'll need some help. But do you – where's your confidence in Washington as a team being able to finish this thing 12-1 and Pac-12 champs? I mean, it would have helped. I don't know. Like, I guess – so they got at Stanford and Washington State the rest of the way. Right. Uh, and then they'll have USC in the in the Pac-12 championship game. Again, similar to Wisconsin, we're going to feel very differently about Washington if they run that table than we do right now. Mm-hmm. And and I think if, if they do that, if they do run that table, then I think they they're good enough to be a college football playoff team. Um. And it's just all about what happens everywhere else, though. Like I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think they, they'd be good enough to top a one-loss conference champ, Clemson, a one-loss conference champ, Oklahoma or TCU, or a one-loss Notre Dame. I just, I don't, and I certainly wouldn't be, I wouldn't agree with them topping a, a, a um, no-loss Wisconsin, because like even like let's say Wisconsin loses to Iowa. And then goes on and wins, or with Iowa or Michigan, and then goes on and wins their division and wins the Big Ten title. Then they're almost identical resume. Like you still make a case, Wisconsin's got a better resume than Washington. Agree, absolutely. So there's still like Washington still needs a lot of, of chaos for them to feel good about their chances right now. I think I am totally off the SEC two teams. Here's I think that this is what I'm feeling. I think that there's one spot for a team from the SEC. I think that Clemson and Miami walk into Charlotte, ACC championship game winner, 
is going to be able to get a spot. So there's two. I think that right now, the Big 12 with Oklahoma and TCU is kind of in a great position. Don't you? And, uh, as long as somebody takes care of business. <laughs> as right? long as like, like whoever as as, wins this weekend follows we it up with Big 12 championship. Yeah, we talked about it. What if what if Oklahoma wins this weekend and then loses a TCU in the Big 12 championship game? Then all this I mean that's that's the problem with the Big 12 is just a, it's it's such a tough task. Mm. So yeah, I think if 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 they win out, they're in good shape, but if they don't, if there's a if there's if there's a two-loss conference champion, you know, then all of a sudden you're back kind of back at ground zero trying to figure out how to who else is lost if that two loss conference champion is either oklahoma or tcu i think that they would have a better argument than usc based on strength of schedule really i think so i mean oklahoma well so oklahoma for sure right because it would have had to win at ohio state well not for sure i'm not even gonna say for sure i mean this other ohio state but I don't know. I guess. I guess when I look at the Pac-12 South, just does. I mean, the Pac-12 South do, doesn't have any other teams in the uh, in the pack in the top twenty-five of the playoff rankings. I mean, USC schedule looked so brutal early in the year, and now as it's played out, I mean, Texas did not take care of business and and end up looking good. Western Michigan, who honestly at the time looked like maybe a really good group of five win, has just been kind of okay in the back. Uh, and then they lost. I mean, the, the bad loss to Notre Dame that hurts them. The fact they couldn't stay competitive with Notre Dame hurts them. Yeah, I just the you know USC is probably going to go out and beat Colorado and UCLA by a combined sixty five points. I know they're so locked in. This is like but they're good. That, that that's the thing with them. Like they're going to look so they're going to have some some uh, some style points over the next couple weeks. I, I expect. Hey, you know how I know USC is back is because it's November and we're going to BCS era style points. This is like <laughs> when Pete this is like when surfer Pete had them just rolling up on pack 10 teams, like putting 40, 50, 60 points on the board so that the, uh, the margin of victory in the BCS formula would make sure they, they get up and uh, get up in the top two. This is how we got yeah. it. Yeah, they're, they're. I mean, but that's like, yeah. As, as I look at their schedule, though, I expected to look back at it and be like, "Oh, see, see all these wins, see this." I mean, and and in my in my mind's eye, as I remember it, it was such a brutal early schedule. But now, like, now as I look back, it was like Western Michigan, Stanford, Texas, Cal, Washington State, Oregon State, Utah. Like that, that no longer looks like the murderer's row that I thought it was initially. Like. Thinking Western Michigan was good, Stanford being good, Texas looking like a good team, Washington State, Utah, like, I mean, Washington State among those teams is really the the best. Yeah, and they're a borderline top twenty-five team. Mm. Goodness, and they gracious. lost to them. All right, do you, we we got our uh, our locks podcast will be coming up next. We'll be recording that on Thursday morning. Um, do you have any Do you have any bold picks or hints at uh, at anything you want to call your shot on? Uh, I'm. I'm very tempted to go with one of the big SEC games. Um, I, I feel good about an underdog in the SEC. I'll put it that way. Ooh. Is, that, is that a good? Is that a good teaser? That's a great teaser. That's a fantastic teaser because it's two games, right? 
Two big options. Two big options. So tune in to find out which of the SEC favorites Barton is predicting will not cover the spread. All right, Barton, I appreciate it, man. Uh, You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Again, subscribe because we will be right back in your podcast app with the Locks podcast on Thursday. Thank you very much. Thank you.